Francis Reboul sat in the sunshine, contemplating his breakfast, a shot glass of extra virgin olive oil, which the French insist is so beneficial for le transit intestinal, followed by a large bowl of café crème and a croissant of such exquisite lightness that it threatened to float off the plate. He was sitting on his terrace, the shimmering sweep of the early morning Mediterranean stretching away to the horizon. Life was good. Sam Levitt and Elena Morales, Reboul's close friends and partners in past adventures, were arriving from California later in the day for an extended vacation. They had planned to sail around Corsica, and perhaps down to Saint-Tropez then, to spend some time at Reboul's horse farm in the Camargue, and to revisit some of Marseille's excellent restaurants. It had been a year since they had seen one another, a busy year for them all, and there was a lot to catch up on. Reboul put down his newspaper, squinting against the glare that bounced off the water. A couple of small sailboats were tacking their way toward the islands of Frioul. While he was watching them, Reboul's attention was caught by something that was beginning to appear from behind the headland. It gradually became more visible and bigger. Much bigger. It was, as he would later tell Sam, the mother of all yachts. Three hundred feet if it was an inch, sleek and dark blue, with four decks, radar, the obligatory helicopter squatting on its pad in the stern, and not one but two Riva speedboats in tow. It was now in front of Reboul, no more than three or four hundred yards offshore. It slowed and drifted to a stop. A row of tiny figures appeared on the top deck, all gazing, it seemed to Reboul, directly at him. Over the years, he had become quite used to this kind of scrutiny from the sea. His house, Le Palais du Faro, originally built for Napoleon III, was the biggest private residence in Marseille, and the most glamorous. Everything from one-man sailboats to the crowded local ferries had stopped, at one time or another, for a long, if distant, inspection of Chez Reboul. Telescopes, binoculars, cameras, he was used to them by now. He shrugged and hid behind his newspaper. On board the yacht, Oleg Vronsky, Oli to his friends and numerous hangers-on, and the Barracuda to the international business press, turned to Natasha, the statuesque young woman whom he had appointed his personal first mate for the voyage. This is more like it, he said. Yes, this is more like it. He smiled, making the deep, livid scar on his cheek pucker. Apart from that, he would have been a good-looking man. Although a little on the short side, he was slim, his thick gray hair was cut en brosse, and his eyes were that shade of icy blue often found in people from the frozen north. He had spent the past week cruising along the Riviera coast, stopping off to look at properties on Cap Ferrat, Cap d'Antibes, Cannes, and Saint-Tropez. And he had been disappointed. He was prepared to spend serious money, fifty million euros or more, but he had seen nothing that made him want to reach for his wallet. There were some fine houses, certainly, but too close to one another. The Riviera had become crowded, 
That was the problem, and Vronsky was looking for plenty of space and maximum privacy. And no Russian neighbors. There were so many of them on Cap Ferrat nowadays that the more enterprising locals were taking Russian lessons and learning to like vodka. Vronsky took a cell phone from his pocket and pressed the single button that connected him to Katya, his personal assistant. She had been with him before the billions, when he was no more than a lowly millionaire, and she was one of the very few people who had his absolute trust. Tell Johnny to come and see me on the top deck, would you? And tell him to get ready for a quick trip. Oh, have we heard back from London yet? Fronsky was negotiating to buy an English football team from an Arab consortium, not the easiest group of people to deal with, and he was becoming impatient. Somewhat encouraged by Katya's reply, he turned back to resume his inspection of Reboul's property, pushing his sunglasses up onto his head and adjusting the focus of his binoculars. No doubt about it, the setting was superb, and it seemed, from what he could see, that there were ample grounds around the house, undoubtedly enough for a discreet helicopter pad. Vronsky felt the first stirrings of what would quickly develop into a full-scale lust to acquire. Where to, boss? Johnny from Jamaica gave Vronsky the benefit of his wide, white smile, a gleaming gash across his ebony face. During his time as a mercenary in Libya, he had learned to fly helicopters, a useful addition to his other skills with weapons and the finer points of unarmed combat. A good man to have on your side. A short hop, Johnny. A little reconnaissance. You'll need a camera and someone who can use it. Vronsky took the Jamaican's arm and led him to a less crowded part of the deck. 